Welcome to another episode of We Are Carbon. I'm Helen Fisher and I'm joined by John Rulak, founder of the health food brand Nativa and executive producer of the film Kiss the Ground. There's so many nuggets of wisdom in this one that it's difficult to pick a highlight. From mob grazing to seaweed straws and a follow-up to Kiss the Ground, this conversation is tied together through John's active involvement in a vast range of regenerative initiatives around the globe. An investor and key player in highly successful companies, John has also been driven by an ecological awareness to discover practical solutions to our environmental challenges, and as such has founded six non-profits through his career. This was a fantastic opportunity, therefore, to tap into a valuable point of view around why it can be such a challenge for large-scale investment to be directed into regenerative solutions. Is a dying planet enough of a motivation to innovate our financial climate? And are so-called green technologies always what they're cracked up to be? We learn about some really impactful projects too, offering healing for people and the environment through the simplicity of allowing nature to take the lead. New episodes of the podcast are added every other Tuesday and they're available in both video and audio-only formats. Find them on YouTube and your favourite podcasting platform. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date. Right, let's get stuck in. So welcome, John. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you uh, being here. I wonder if you could kick us off by just giving a short introduction to yourself and maybe some of your work. Sure. Yeah, well, first off, thank you for inviting me on to the show today. Yeah. Yeah. My name is John Rulak. Uh, I live in Washington state in the West coast of, of the United States. Um, I've been a longtime advocate of, uh, you know, living better on the planet in terms of how we deal with our resources. Um, when I was 21, uh, a nuclear, uh, they dumped nuclear waste uh, by an unidentified truck driver nine miles from my house. And that really kind of set me off and was, was, frustrated that they could just dump nuclear waste and would, you know, get away with that. Um, and that really set, set me on my life journey to, to learn more how the, you know, how the world works in terms of how we grow our food or how we deal with our trash or, um, you know, how we, how, what our, how our healthcare system is. Um, and, uh, I went on, uh, to some of the things I've done. I, I helped, uh, pioneer home compost in the United States and wrote a book called Backyard Composting. And that was a fun, fun effort. Taught 25,000 people to compost at our workshops and, uh, and then started, uh, ended up starting a, an organic food company called Nativa, which means a nut of cannabis sativa. And, and we were uh, seven years in a row fastest growing company in the United States um, uh, and uh, pioneered coconut oil, hemp seed, chia seeds, different different foods that have been used for a long time before, but have been kind of forgotten. And, uh, and I stepped down as CEO from that helped, uh, create a film called kiss the ground, which is a, a Netflix blockbuster film uh, starring Woody Harrelson, all about regenerative agriculture and taking care of nature. Um, and, uh, and then a few other, few other projects along the way, uh, but I won't bore everybody with all, with all the detail, but uh, I'm currently involved in an agroforestry project uh, in the global south called Agroforestry Regeneration Communities, and we can talk about that a little more later. 
Yeah, fantastic. It's so wonderful that this is such a interestingly diverse range of businesses and experiences that you, you've kind of gone through over the years. And yet there seems to be this thread that comes from this very eye-opening experience when you were young with the nuclear waste and this impact that that had on the environment. And I suppose everything that you are working through really connects back to nature and looking back looking after nature in in all that you're doing, which is really very um, much the point, I suppose, of why we're here today. There are so many fear-based stories that we hear about climate change, and we, we can struggle to get away from those sometimes. But there are also such a significant number of solutions and particularly nature-based solutions, when we can work with nature and work more in harmony with nature to balance things back out. And this, um, as you've just mentioned, agroforestry regeneration communities, this is one of the initiatives, one of the projects that you're involved with right now. And I've been really taken back just at how fast and impactful that that you've sort of gone from concept to on the ground action with this business. And it would be fantastic if you could share more um, about ARC and and what you're doing with that. Very glad to. And first, I, I, I kind of, I I find now as, as, as someone who's, uh, you know, uh, a bit older, uh, been, been doing this for over 40 years, I kind of chuckle a little about this concept called nature based so you know uh if you would if you would tell indigenous people that we should consider nature based they would go like <laughs> like what are you talking about nature based like like to consider nature as part of a solution like we're so far away so disconnected from nature you know and and it's like and and we really have to go back to the root um the, the people who lived in Europe 2000 years ago were the Celtic people. They were an indigenous tribal people that were very connected to nature. And unfortunately, their, their way of living and their um, philosophy was uprooted by the Roman Empire and then later, uh, later uh, religious and economic and, and kind of ruling forces. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's that, what's that film, uh, with Russell Crowe, you know, uh, you know, with the Rome, he, he's, it's like t- what, during the change of Caesar. Like gladiators or gladiator. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and so we've kind of forgotten our roots, you know, I find it also interesting, you know, a lot of people, a lot of different cultures are trying to tap back into their roots you know, whether, whether they're, you know, um, you know, Native Americans or people going back to Africa and discovering that. But, um, you know, there is some interest in that for people to discover the European roots of our connection with nature. So this is what our, our great, 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 great grandmothers were, were already knew about this. So we're trying to rediscover it again, you know, Absolutely. whatever is old is new and, and new is old. So it's, a uh, um, um, but, uh, so, so agroforestry regeneration community. So how it kind of came, came to be was, uh, I have a, I, I transferred some of my Nativa shares into a, uh, into like a, my own, uh, kind of a fund, uh, they call it the regen fund. And we, and I support projects around the world that I, that I'm inspired, you know, um, 
one project I, I put in a, a basketball court in a in an urban uh, area in the middle of the country in, in North St. Louis. Um, <clears throat> There's no basketball courts for the kids to play. So I like to play basketball. So I heard about that project, supported that. And then I was supporting some individual uh, permaculture and agroforestry projects, one in Guatemala and one in Malawi. It just was, you know, just it was they both were just getting going. And I just noticed that they were getting such good results. You know, they would just show up, work with farmers, train them, provide them some trees and planting materials. And, and a year and a half later, they have, you know, a whole food forest and a food system and things were better. They were sequestering carbon, um, better nutrition, better food security, better income. And I said, this is phenomenal. Why don't, instead of me just supporting a couple of these, why don't we build it a, an organization, kind of a vehicle? Uh, um, so that's how agroforestry regeneration communities came about. And, and then we started supporting them more and, and took on other projects. And uh, since uh, since then, we've we've helped uh, build out over 5000 food forests, train, you know, uh, over 5500 uh, farmers. Uh, and we work specifically in the global south right now in Guatemala and in Malawi. Our Guatemala projects expanding to Honduras. <clears throat> we also work in uh, Uganda and Tanzania and Kenya. Um, there's a, there's a, uh, and one of the prog the programs in Malawi, we, we've trained 1200 farmers and our model is we'll, we put people come through like a five day training program, learning permaculture, learning how to make compost, um, learning how to conserve water and, and do intercropping and things. And then the farmer agrees to tr train nine others. So, so when we train, we put 50 people through a training then we end up getting 500 farmers out of that. Fantastic. Uh, and one of the projects that we're doing that I've, I discovered a really interesting Irish aid worker who, who declared that he was going to, he was living on an island of 4,000 people in Malawi from Ireland. <clears throat> and so he's in this, this remote island and he said he's going to, wants to meet the, some of these goals of, of sustainability and health. And, and it was very like, you know, like he's just like living in a little tent and, and, uh, and the, the communities welcomed him. So we, he's invited us in and when we're now setting, we're gonna set, we invited two of their people and they traveled. Many of them had never been away from their island except for maybe once to a, to a, a village across the way. So they had to take a bus five or six hours around a strange group of people. Up, uh, and uh, so we're gonna put four nurseries on this island and we're gonna help train them in, um, agroforestry and food production. We're also going to help some of them do beekeeping. Um, and, uh, and then someone was there and they're going to, that was specializes in, um, uh, in solar energy and um, irrigation systems. <clears throat> so it's surrounded by the second biggest lake. Um, and so we're, we're, we're going to work with them. So that's kind of exciting. Um, and one of the challenges they're cutting down a lot of the trees. Yes. For, to make charcoal, because that's the second income. So, so we're going to, we're working to see if we can provide some other in, you know, some better jobs through some of this agroforestry and they can also create um, fast growing trees to make firewood instead of chopping down trees. And there's um, leopards and uh, monkeys on this Island. And uh, we're trying to create a little ecotourism, you know, not like it's going to be a huge thing, but uh, so that's one of the things that we're, we're um, 
working there. Um, and then in, in Guatemala, uh, working with the Mayan people there, uh, that's been growing really fast. We've gotten support from one tree planted <clears throat> and uh, that's been really good uh, to, to you know, get more food for us. And a lot of these people are really forgotten about you know, they're the, you know, they, they don't have their, their floors are made out of dirt, you know, you know, poor nutrition and many of whether they're in Malawi or whether in Guatemala, all they eat is um, pretty much is corn. And it's been even, even a road, they're not even getting the full kernel. It goes to milling, et cetera, some cases, and then remove some of the nutrition. And this is so simple to do. So in taking somebody from doing just corn and they're using chemical fertilizers to saying you could also, uh, one of the things we do is we'll plant trees every five meters. So now we, they don't need to use chemical fertilizers. We make our own fertilizers by nature based. But I was just listening to somebody on, on you know, one of these, uh, you know, media and they were talking about the, the World Bank and saying, you know, what are we going to do about food insecurity? We need more chemical fertilizers and, you know, like the leadership at the global level is so, we're been so it's so disconnected and you know just here's a little organization literally if we had 10 million dollars we could transform malawi and guatemala where we could probably get close to 10 percent of their farmers to to um to do food for us um and uh um so yeah but there's there's definitely a disconnect People are just not aware. So we're just, the idea is to show a model, show something that works and uh, farmers and, and uh, love it. And we just did recently did a video on it uh, that's on our website to, to kind of capture that about that. So, uh, but uh, you know, they're very, they're, they're very thankful and they're less, they have less attachment to how to farm versus farmers in Britain or farmers in America because they went to college and they think they understand this or that and 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 they they look down on the farmers who are who are like encouraging more weeds to grow and, and bringing cattle into their farmlands or, or stuff um and uh whereas where there's a little more opening because the people we work with they're one harvest away from starving to death and that's the big difference that i think is so difficult to um to really get into the mind of if you haven't put any thought onto it previously we're so used to going to the shop buying that food and then we see the prices rising and we see the concerns about fertilizer prices and like you say this seems to be you know one side of the story where we're hearing from from the sort of um sort of more um our cultures that are used to chemical farming and used to food on the shelf we just we, we hear of this panic about rising prices, but to the people you're working with, well, what a different story that is. It's actually, it's not a few pence added um, on the sh pricing on the shelf. It's literally starvation or a, a meal away from, from being able to put food in their children's tummies. And it's, it's such a different motivation. And like you said, detachment, it really is just this word detachment. It kind of encompasses everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, I think, this may sound a little harsh, but I think uh, Americans and, and British and Germans are 10 to, 15, 10 to 15 harvests from starvation. Yeah, so that also is shocking. It's coming down the, the pike and you're going to start seeing that because 
we're getting freak storms. Yeah. You know, all sorts of massive amounts of rain and then no rain. But, you know, there's there's also the farmers and ranchers doing amazing things, um, uh, you know, all, you know, across across Europe uh, and, and America. There's one farmer named Rick Clark, and he was a conventional farmer. He has like 6,000 acres of corn and soybeans in Indiana. And he doesn't use a drop of herbicides, a drop of synthetic fertilizers, and he's very innovative. Um, and uh, and he also doesn't till the soil. Fantastic, yeah. And but he, you know, so I recently heard him speak. So there, there, there. <clears throat> there's lots of good solutions, uh, but we need we need to encourage and and support farmers. But in, instead, I find that we want to do this whole thing about counting carbon and, and pay, put, keep this whole infrastructure when we could just pay farm, if you just paid farmers 80 or $100 an, an acre, or and as you would say over, over in Europe, you know, 220 uh, or uh, uh, 220 a hectare, or would be 40 a hectare and translated to pounds, which is crashing. And, and, the, and the Euro is crashing uh, um, uh, is, that's very simple. If you just keep the ground covered, and that's a key thing in regenerative agriculture, just keep the ground covered. If you drive around most most places in farming in the wintertime, that's the soil is bare. Yes. And all that organic matter is blowing away. So literally, if uh, uh, the other thing, if you notice, if you go to a if you go to a forest, do you, do you see the bears spreading chemical fertilizers? How is a forest so how is it like so vibrant? How is there all these species? Why is every why why are there different species and there and and berries and and ferns and all these things growing? Um, is there and are we irrigating those trees? Absolutely, it's it's just a complete self caring system. Yeah, yeah, and so if we and they say if you go and take a a shovel of of the soil from the forest and then you take a shovel from from the from the field and you compare the nutrition it's so different and and uh, so we we have the opportunity to observe nature and learn from nature and that's what some of these best farmers and ranchers uh, i'll give you another example around uh, around uh grazing animals so there's there's a a very famous uh or well or say say well-known british writer named, named george Mombob. Uh, and he he has this has this amazing uh, uh, high tech idea that we should get rid of all animals. That animals are the problem in agriculture. We don't need to farm. Stop. You know, just we just gonna we're gonna grow food in a soil and green vats, giant vats with huge amounts of steel. And and if you look, if you and 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 it's like and people believe that. And this is. This is what's being presented at the United Nations and the and the and the upcoming Egyptian, you know, uh, COP twenty COP twenty seven, like like yeah, just we can just it's a new thing. We're just going to ferment our food and make this with GMOs. If you look at the job description, the amount of scientists mm -hmm. and geneticists that you need in that operation, there's all this leftover waste product, and and. You need 500,000 times more brewing capacity and fermentation capacity than we have today. The amount of steel that's going to take, it's going to be giant football fields all over the countryside 
to, to, to be able to grow these things. And do people even want this? And the irony is that this is this, this, you know, human techno utopia society that, that, you know, you know, Tesla and Bill Gates is like this, this shiny new object that we're like led down this pathway. And then let's, let's just switch off that for a moment. And then let's look what people are doing. That's our simple solutions. So there's a, there's a, a man named uh, Alejandro Carrillo. He was visiting my house recently um, and he lives in Northern Mexico from the Chihuahua desert. And, and uh, when he was in call, when he was ready to go to college, um, his dad was a rancher and, and he said, well, what should I study in school? Should I study agriculture? He says, no. And then he ended up becoming uh, a, a chemical uh, en- a computer engineer. Okay. So computer engineer, you know, great career. Then his dad called him up. We need help. You know, so he went back to this ranch, 25,000 acres. The, you know, the soil, the grasses were disappearing. You know, the cows were eroding the soils. And, and so he started observing and he found a, a way called holistic range management and mob grazing. They took, and now after, after about seven or eight years, they have, they went from 250 cows to like 700 cows and they don't have to bring any, any hay. So essentially he's restored the land just using cows and fencing. But what he does, he, he bunches them all together up really tightly for one day. Okay. Then all the manure and all the urine from the cow and the cows stepping on that. And then they eat the grass down about a third or a half. And then they never come back for 12 months. And, and now the grass is growing higher and higher. His, his goal is to have the grass so high that you won't be able to see cows. <laughs> In fact, they've restored it so well. And he has now four other ranchers all around that other ranchers from distant areas are upset that they're quote stealing the rain because they're bringing back, they're restoring the water system. So we could do that in Scotland and England. You could restore all these grasslands. And there's this, there's, there's a movement called, you know, rewilding, which can in a way be partnered with this, but in some cases it's opposing enemies. In some cases, the rewilding the farmers and ranchers, but really it's about restoring ecology and that's bringing humans and nature into the discussion. But sadly, we have we have these uh, very wealthy people who are going like, you know, Europeans that are going to Africa and they're forcing the Maasai off their lands to, and put up fencing and parks and killing them. Wow. And so um, uh, and it's a it's a it's a sad thing. And this is this is something that we described in the film Kiss the Ground. <clears throat> it's a simple concept. But as as I remember, as one uh, 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 one uh, Aleutian um, uh, native, a native elder from Greenland told me, he says the greatest distance in the world is between mankind's heart and our brain. Yes, that sounds like an incredibly wise comment. And it does underline everything. I mean, you've just described quite a variety of scenarios where humans are sort of managing land in ways that are both restoring it and providing everything that we need. The, the, the cows are healing the land itself and the people in Malawi using simple techniques to provide nutrition that they couldn't have dreamed of um, without these food forests. And when we, when we sort of 
look at it from this point of view and we I, you you must kind of feel this way where you've there's a sense of frustration in how easy those solutions are and how um this this detachment is becoming so apparent like these steel fermenting chambers this idea that we're going to use those to replace animals get rid of the animals we use these fermenting chambers to make food and it feels like there should be some principle that at some point we've learned that we've got to integrate back into nature and we've got to work with nature um, we've got enough history that's taught us that we can't design a technology that takes into account everything that nature is already wise to we can't better nature but we can certainly live alongside and uh, yeah I think everything you've you've outlined there does just sort of have this very stark this is the mind and this is the heart um, so the, the the saying there is uh, very fitting indeed yeah one thing one thing was uh, there's a there's a post that from the Savory Institute that's that I just shared on my LinkedIn page and it shows two soil blocks the one on the left is from a, um, a mob grazing, ag um, uh, animal grazing system. And, and the soil is very dark and rich and high in organic matter and high in carbon and um, all the things that, that create uh, diversity and uh, ecology. And then the one on the right is from a, a grain system where they've been growing grains that would be growing for these for these steel, you know, these steel cow systems that they want to design. Um, and it's it's much lighter in color and devoid of nutrition and devoid of biodiversity, um, and and so the idea is the this industrial uh, you know com, you know vat system the the chemical system it runs on it runs on yesterday's uh, sunlight petrochemicals <clears throat> you know so uh, and the uh, the regenerative system runs on today's sunlight. Which one's more renewable? Today's sunlight or, or, or yesterday's sunlight from, from uh, petrochemicals? And the irony is every major environmental group wants to run on yesterday's sunlight when it comes to our food system because they are so, they've been, they are like, they are the, they are the asleep woke that have, that have used cows to demonize and they're demonizing farmers and ranchers and, and, and we need to, to work with farmers and ranchers. And, you know, I have to say 10 years ago, I was very, a very harsh critic of, of chemical agriculture and, um, and, and farmers. And, and I realized though, we have to work with them where they're at today. And, and so, you know, um, many of my organic purist friends don't like me because of that anymore. Okay. I feel I would, I, we can, we can get great results if we work with farmers and ranchers that can cut their chemical use by 50 or 60 or 70% in a few years. And then they're on, they're on a transition to organic, um, you know, uh, and more, more biological approach. I'll, I'll share a story. There's, I ran into someone recently at an event and he was a former pesticide applicator as a younger man. And now he just works with farmers and ranchers, helping them, you know, uh, transition to a more regenerative, you know, healthy soil. And, and he works with like some large walnut growers and, and, uh, you know, they were, they weren't the organic types, you know, 
they you know more yeah. conservative they were just like <clears throat> weren't, weren't into that but they called them up one day and they said well you know could i could i like switch our system to organic and and then he and then the consultant friend he thought about it and he said well everything you've been doing we've transitioned you off you're not you haven't used any pesticides and you're not using any synthetic fertilizers and uh, he said you can do that and and the person ended up getting organic and he says i'm getting 40 cents more a pound this is great <laughs> <laughs> fantastic I wasn't thinking about being organic you know um, um so yeah um uh there's there's so many uh you know so many good options the and it's a way our society like you're saying about frustrating and it's a way we've created like this nightmare of dependence on chemical fertilizer and it came about basically from war yeah chemical agriculture is is basically following the footsteps of the of the war in in Europe where we had planes and drop bombs from bomb factories and and after world war 2 when when the british and the french and the americans came back from the war what do we have lots of plane factories bomb factories chemical factories and so we just switched so instead of dropping bombs on on uh, against the quote enemy of people we now drop bombs on nature yeah and nature is the new enemy <clears throat> and and humans well it'll be okay we, it's productivity and um and so the idea is is that people know the emperor has no clothes <clears throat> but if you want to i just looked at the lineup at the united nations foods uh food food day uh in Egypt yeah every one of the groups are all promoting this old this like this this dysfunctional old system <clears throat> and and they're not really they're like it's in Egypt would they would they think about inviting indigenous people in Africa who are part of the solution they they might invite a token but they mm. don't because they or myself will speak of that the emperor has no clothes that we don't need to use so many chemicals yeah we can transition but they won't do that because the united nations has partnered with crop life monsanto and bear and dupont and and so when they have the and, and you don't even see them on the agenda but when they have the cocktail parties at these events they're there and they're mm -hmm. weaving they're they're appointing who gets a, who gets to speak and who doesn't and this is like a high level high level sophistication mm. you know and uh um you know i'm not just like some like just you know wild environmentalist i've sold a billion dollars with organic food you know i have friends who are billionaires so i i know people who were worth hundreds of millions of dollars who you know we do business together and and many of them are working to change the system but even but the system is so entrenched in this old way and but i think the crisis that we're facing is is like now right literally in our face absolutely the question is what do we do how do we how do we shift that yes yeah because really everything that it's coming down to is are we prepared to put the solution that is available to us to one side for the sense of it, it's better for business to keep using the chemicals or to use the fertilizers and it, it's um it's a very difficult um, issue like you you said earlier about with 
people in America and people with in England, they're very thoroughly educated before they become a farmer and they've become very identified with that knowledge and that practice that it's harder for them to make the changes than the people in Malawi that you're um, finding a more open-minded and ready to change. And I wonder if that that is the same sort of blown out with regards to the way that business in general is just functioning, that we're just very set in our ways and that this is how things are done. Um, I do find that you've got a very interesting point of view with you. Let you say you've got this experience with really very big companies and the success and the necessity of how they run. Um, Then you've worked and moved money into ARC so that there are funding in place to support um, this kind of like you've, I suppose, had to choose heart over head. But is that genuinely from the heart the only way to fund and move money into into the business of regeneration? Or, or can it can it be a sort of win-win for business and the planet at the same time? Yeah. Uh, you know, I believe it, it can be a win-win. <clears throat> and, and, and uh, you know, there's there now, but it's it's more complicated. It's much it's much simpler for the power structure for people like Michael Bloomberg or Bill Gates to go let's let's shift from burning coal to to doing windmills and solar and EVs we can float those companies in the public stock market and it's just shifting one asset to another asset class you know you know i i, I listen to bloomberg you know and and follow cuz i also invest and uh, you know i'm i'm kind of part of the part of the system but uh more of an outlier um but the the challenge with the food system is there's food is bigger than the internet Mm. business wise and so and the incumbent system is based on extraction yeah this emerging system is based on regeneration and and what that means is we have to change everything it means changing the, how we grow food to give the to what's being fed to the kids in school, <clears throat> to be what's served in the airlines, to what's in the supermarket, and they will they they say well that's too expensive, but how expensive is is a, is a dead planet, you know how expensive is cancer, you know so it's a it's a it's a challenge. Um, so, you know many many of my friends who've been involved in this a long time think. We think that there has to be kind of a hit the wall moment. We we kind of and and maybe we can slow the 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 the, the speed of the vehicle approaching, you know it, and 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 we can kind of wake up before we just drive off the cliff, um, you know. But uh, in fifty years, we've reduced seventy five percent of all the winged insects wow. in the world. You know the bees, the butterflies. Uh, and we're losing one to two percent a year, and the number one reason is chemicals, synthetic chemicals. Um, uh, and birds, we've lost seventy percent of all birds in the same time frame. What do birds eat? A lot of insects. Um, uh, so we've we've lost fifty to sixty percent of the plankton in our oceans, and we're losing one to two percent a year. They said in certain parts in the Atlantic, ninety percent is gone. Uh, um, the good thing is nature is very, the good news though, is nature is very resilient. And, and, and so 
we have that opportunity um, to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, more windmills and more solar is not the solution. And we've seen in Europe through the Russian war that Europe, um, you know, the kind of the intelligentsia pushed this concept that we could just, we, they were going to be green energy. And, you know, and then the same time, they're just buying all the oil and gas from Russia. And they say they're pushing their green green economy, you know, and 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 you would think they would have been farther ahead. Mm. Now, you know, and we put all of our bet on green energy and we can't even power economies now. We can't do it this year. We can't do it next year. We can't do it in three years from now. Uh, um, And we've we've diverted all that all that trillions of dollars that we put in there. And we've gotten very little out of it. In fact, there's a recent article showing the amount of minerals required to do solar and, and wind and, and, and EVs is we need several planets. We're gonna, you're going to have to maybe go out into the asteroids and, and get minerals, or maybe they're going to dig into the, into the oceans. I mean, we have one-fifth the amount of copper that we need. And these copper mines take 7 to 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, if you're looking to invest somewhere in a crazy financial world, uh, copper is a good investment right now. <laughs> need a lot of copper for green energy. Not that we shouldn't be doing green energy, but we need to reduce our environmental footprint. I mean, you know, wh- wh- why isn't? I would think Europe would be pushing more, you know, insulation and more energy efficiency and and turn lights off. I, I don't know. Are, are they saying? Are they talking about reducing energy usage a lot? Is that a like? It's it's not something that it very little very little it's it it seems to be yeah yeah there there was a gentleman that was one of the brightest people that I've met named Amory Lovins he was an American uh, he has the he founded the the uh, Rocky Mountain Institute he had a whole system he said he was going to propose we're going to just like you can trade pork bellies and wheat futures we were going to trade megawatts not megawatts of power megawatts so any business organization that could could find a way to conserve energy could sell it on the market and could and you know you, you could go into a you could go into a, a an old manufacturing facility and you can readjust where the piping is and the boilers and systems and you could save massive amounts of energy yeah but nobody's doing very little's done i mean they do a little now and then with some new facilities but those are just examples um uh so we got to kind of think out of the box but what as individuals is just we can we can learn to compost, you know. We can grow a little more of our own food. We can support local farmers, and and, um, and also just don't believe what says, what they tell you on the telly. Yeah, it's a challenging one. That I kind of we kinda, you know I thought that's like you know I remember when I grew up we grew up in the seventies eighties you know don't believe what's on TV, <clears throat> and yet the funny thing is. I find many of my most pro- my my so-called liberal and progressive friends today, they believe everything that the talking heads tell them. Mm. Everything. It's a bit scary. Yeah. Like really? <laughs> like like I mean, you know, just the concept of natural immunity would get you banned in social media. Just saying that you know we can we can improve our immunity to fight off disease. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It 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 does seem like we've vitamin D. Yeah, like like a like that's a that's a that's a a scary thing to to even discuss, you know. Yeah. Um. So 
um, yeah, it's uh, but uh, the the potent there's a lot of things that we can do and a lot of things that need to change and and sometimes maybe out of crisis will uh, will come will come more reflection, right? Yes, I think that's that's always what we need to keep sort of moving the focus to the opportunities that 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 crisis, that feeling of crisis is offering to us and uh, um, yeah, try to shift. It really is in so many ways about the mindset and about the approach to this. Everything that you've spoken about, it shows how it all ties together. Um, the, the way that we fuel the energy that we use and the nutrition that we have in our bodies and all of these different things all all can be bettered through regenerative practices. Um, we, can, we can heal everything side by side. I'm wearing a hat from Soil for Climate. Oh, fantastic. It's, it's a, it's a uh, Facebook group that, that talks a lot about the benefits of grazing animals to regenerate our soils. Remember, the vast majority of all lands that we have um, uh, is, is, is pasture. It's not, it's not suitable for uh, growing crops. Yeah. And, and we can restore it, but it takes more time. It takes human, you know, human focus and... Uh, um, so we need to to work on that. Uh, also, I wanted to mention the film "Kiss the Ground" that I did. People can watch it on Netflix. We're going to have a new film out that'll be out in about a year from now. Fantastic! So uh... and, and uh, yeah, so so people can can uh, can learn about that as 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 well. Um, and the other thing that I think is really important is to focus on our personal health. Yes, because you know, like health is wealth. A couple of things I, I want to just share a little about that. I really encourage people to do the plank. The yoga plank is something simple. You can do it every day. It takes like 30 seconds. And, and if, you, if, you haven't, if you're a little out of shape, start you know, slow, even 10 or 15 seconds. And, and that really builds your core strength. And, and uh, uh, it, it helps overcome the fact that we're sitting all the time so much. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very sedentary lifestyle. Yeah. And also uh, eating... Um, Various types of, of, of mushrooms like lion's mane or oysters, uh, mushrooms, um, they have a lot of very good nutrition, very good for anti-cancer. And they're even showing that, that because, because we've lost so much nutrition in the soils from chemical agriculture, you know, uh, I remember in 1938, the Secretary of Agriculture said America faced one of the greatest crises that they have ever faced, that we've destroyed our soils the minerals of the soils that was 1938 wow. you know um but but because we've lost of that we want to get certain nutri- you know nutrients more and, and different kind of foods and mushrooms have have a particular uh, type of amino acid they're saying that that fights against alzheimer's so you know you know trying to eat some mush different kind of mushrooms a couple times a month uh, um can be uh, can be very effective. And, and I, I like to eat what I call rainbow diet. So we eat different types, you know, go, go to the, go to the farmer's market and buy vegetables that scare you, <laughs> you know, and chop it up and steam it up or throw it in a salad, you know? Um, uh, so that's, that's, that's important as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is so, so overlooked, isn't it? The value of nutrition um, to our health and uh, our vitality and how we, you know, go about our lives, I suppose. So, yeah, very good advice. And uh, regarding the, the production that you're doing at the moment or the new, is, it, is, is this a follow-up from Kiss the Ground or is it a completely different? Yeah, it's a, it's a follow-up. And, and uh, 
yeah, the, the filmmakers, Josh and Rebecca Tickell, um, you know, they're great. And they're, they're working on this new film um, called uh, Common Ground. And it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, a little more intense. <clears throat> Kiss the Ground was, was op optimistic and hopeful. <clears throat> and and, and uh, even so, you know, a lot of farmers had a hard time with it. You know, some of them were upset the first time they watched and they watch it again. Then, you know, but I've had so many people tell me <clears throat> that they're, they share the film and, and people really get, instead of them, someone try to explain what regenerative agriculture, they can just watch this. Um, but this next film's going to be a little, it's going to get a little closer in. Okay. Um, and, and, and uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be quite interesting. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the next cut of it in, uh, in, in a couple of months. Yeah. I bet I bet it's exciting. Yeah, but we can we can sequester vast amounts of carbon, and, and the thing to understand is, if we said today you could wave a magic wand and we didn't emit one more hydrocarbon, yeah, we are going to hit we we are going to hit a, a huge crisis, um, even if we didn't do any more. So. The most important thing right now is to really focus on on sequestration, sequestering the carbon. Then we can pull all the legacy load. And, and remember, all that carbon that's in the atmosphere, where did it come from? Much of it, it just came from, it used to be in the, in the soil and we can bring it down. Um, uh, we can bring that down, put it back where it belongs. And, and in the process, we can have healthier food. We can we can bring back the small water cycle in areas where it's drought. We can bring back the rain like they did in Chihuahua Desert. <clears throat> um, we can create more biodiversity. We can have hap we can have more healthy uh, you know ecosystem for birds, insects, and animals. Uh, we can create the right livelihood you know for for people to work there, uh, uh, and we can reduce our government deficits, you know, for we're spending all on health and sickness and in crisis. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, start in your local community. And uh, the other thing I would just like to say is I've, I've had to learn that just because our brain says that we know something, maybe there's something else there. So even like in this crisis here, Intellectually, I I sometimes can go. Gosh, we're so messed up as a species, like literally, like like, and and then I also go. But also, life is so magical. There's yeah. so many amazing things, you know. To just you know, just to to watch, like to me, watching a hummingbird, you know, you know, come and get nectar from my garden, or sit in the sun, or enjoy some you know some fresh organic blueberries. You know these things are are miraculous, uh, and 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 maybe there's something else that's going on. You know, uh, maybe Elon Musk is right. Maybe it's a virtual simulation that we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're all just experiencing this chaotic chaos of breakdown, and and it's like maybe a test uh, of what do we do? Do we ignore it? Yeah. Do we just go with the with with the dominant paradigm that's gonna that that basically plan is to is to 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 get rid of nature and replace it with some bizarre you know meta 
transhuman reality? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or do we come back to the garden, come back to, to, to what our great, 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 great grandmothers and grandfathers knew intuitively a long time ago? Yes. They didn't have they didn't have Google. And I think there's something there's something about that that you've just stated that that really I I feel that that just to add to it is we have the choice. Like what does the magic feel like? Does does the techno variant does that feel more magical than the variant where you can enjoy the biodiversity and you can enjoy the hummingbird that's sitting on the plant and just go into some kind of um, peaceful moments of uh, reflection watching that, which is magical to you. And I think, um, I think that there's, there's, there's a time now where, where we kind of at this tipping point where it's more a question of, well, what, what do you want the world to look like? Which direction would each of us choose? And I think that, as you said, community and getting involved with the idea of where your food comes from, these are all very integral sort of choices that we can take to just those little steps along the way of of moving towards which which one suits us the best and and technology is can be helpful you know i it it's what we're using to communicate right here exactly yeah and 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 and, uh you know uh you know we're going to be installing a solar pump to to draw water from the lake and, and things so it's not like we have to throw it all away but but can we have a lens of of you know discernment Yes. And what's appropriate and, and what's too much. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, so uh, definitely, definitely it's going to be an interesting uh, coming decade. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, one one more thing, if I could just squeeze it in quickly. Um, I know that you're doing some work around ocean reforestation. reforestation and I'd, I'd sort of love to get a little insight on that and why that is particularly significant. Yeah, uh, I'm going to. I'm actually going to show you something. I'm going to be back in one second. Okay. So if you can see that. I can, indeed. And then, and this is a straw made of seaweed. Oh, how fantastic. And after you use it, it, it can degrade and compost. Yeah. And so this is, this is made, this is made from kelp by a company called Lollyware. And, and so there's a big movement in the West Coast and in, in, in California and the United States and, uh, you know, in Canada to reforest the oceans with kelp and sea plants. Uh, and we can use it for fertilizer uh, to restore the land. We can use it um, to make plastics uh, uh, and, you know, other, you know, food and nutrition. And so uh, there's a lot of... Uh, Interesting. And essentially, it's a circular system. It's uh, some of these crops grow two feet a day and we can just harp. You just you just trim them and then they grow back more and then you trim them and they grow back more. Uh, and and um, so we got a uh, there was a 10 million dollar grant from the Department of Energy. And so they're assessing where to grow, where we can grow these the best places. And you have to deal with the storms and all sorts of things. It's um, but we 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 need to. Um, help the current declining wild, you know, wild kelp and and other planktons and and you know uh, sea plants and then um, seaweeds and then also do some through the farming system so we can we can reforest that you know it's kind of a combination. Um, so 
Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of interesting. And it's very the, the kelp has complete mineralization. So a lot of minerals. So it's very good for the soil. And I'm actually right now working on, on a new project to create uh, what I call regenerative plant food. Okay, fantastic. So including from the ocean and other 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 means, uh, uh, including like uh, taking we're looking at where they're growing. They're taking food, food scraps. I don't call them food waste, but food scraps, feeding them to to like insects and mealworms. And then the byproduct of those is is like skeletal structure and the excrement is an excellent uh, uh, food fertilizer. You know, so I'm working on some formulations to make that available uh, as a as a retail product. So it's a uh, um, it's a challenging project. We'll see how it goes. I'm still in the early formulation phase of that. So uh, you know, I'm always always working on a new. Yes, you sound very busy indeed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, everything that is just helping to move us away from that need for extracted um, fossil fuels and towards being circular and. Uh, it does seem that, that there's a heck of a lot that you're you're getting on with, and thank you for for everything that you do, and everything that you share because it's it's a really significant time, I think, as we've mentioned. And uh, if if there's anything else that you'd like to add uh, before we finish, yeah, uh, I, I like the Lao Tzu quote, Chinese philosopher. You know, a journey of a thousand miles yeah. begins with a single step. Very profound. We have a long we have a long journey ahead to for regeneration, but we have to we have to begin that step, you know, versus just folding into the dominant paradigm of uh, you know this false techno utopia uh, that uh, that is that is being beamed into our homes and newspapers on a daily basis, uh, and uh, um, and the future, you know, seals of the ocean and whales and and indigenous people, their future lies in our hands. So, what the choices that we make will impact many. So, uh, let's make let's make those right choices and and begin the journey. Fantastic, absolutely. And uh, we'll we'll pop some links because I think it's always very very key, like you've mentioned, to offer people the opportunity to watch Kiss the Ground. If they haven't already seen that, that movie is a fantastic way of um, sharing the conversation about regenerative agriculture and the significance of that to, to their friends and their family. So so we'll, we'll pop that and also any links that um, we've also sort of different bits and pieces that you've mentioned through the chat. So, Right, yeah, that'd be great. <clears throat> and also people can follow me on, 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 uh, on my, uh, I have a uh, Substack uh, channel. Uh, that's a blogging platform. People can follow some of my articles that I've written, yeah, including uh, "Making America's Rivers Blue Again," which is kind of my my like thesis article on on agriculture and the potential. Sounds fantastic. I'll, uh, yeah, we'll pop that link too. So thank you so much for sharing with us today and for all of your time. And uh, yeah, have a fantastic day. You too. Thank you for doing what you do. And thank you for listening to this episode of We Are Carbon. New episodes are added every other Tuesday, so don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date. It's a huge help to the show if you'd like to add a thumbs up or a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And let's keep figuring this all out together.